Hello and welcome to VChat number 22. I'm David Davis from VMWareVideos.com. I'm Simon Seagrave from TechHeads.co.uk. And I'm Eric Siebert from vSphereLand.com. Welcome, guys. Thanks for joining me on the VChat. How's it going? Yeah, Good. Thanks. thanks, David. No, it's, it's been a while. Yeah, it has been a while. Been staying, I think all of us have been staying busy in that. There's been a lot going on with new jobs, new roles, and everything else. Yeah, so speaking of that... Yeah, a couple um, of conferences as well. Yeah, yep. Yeah, it's been a while since we've had a VChat, so uh, we have a lot to talk about. Um, Eric, or uh, actually Simon, you were the only one of us at VMworld Europe, is that right? Eric, you weren't there? Yeah, no. yeah, yeah, I was it. Didn't quite make it across. To, didn't quite make it across to Vegas, but uh, made it to Copenhagen, which was great. Yeah. So, how was Europe this year? Yeah, it was good. It was back at the Bella Center uh, in Copenhagen again. That's it's a good venue. Uh, admittedly, you know, Copenhagen, great place, but one of the most expensive places I think I've ever been to in my life. Uh, even when you compare it to. Uh, London prices, but it's a lovely place. It's a, it's a good venue. Um, I see next year actually the uh, VMworld uh, Europe is going to be in uh, Barcelona, so uh, oh, cool. that's going to be pretty cool. Change the scenery. Um, I think the last time I was in Barcelona would have been for Microsoft TechEd, um, which was well, would have been about four or five years ago now. So uh, yeah, Barcelona Barcelona is a great venue as well. So I look forward to uh, hopefully heading back there next year for that. Um, but yeah, it was it was a really good event, uh, um, good attendance. I think it was around about the 7,000 marks, so obviously a lot smaller than uh, Las Vegas, but uh, still, you know, a, a very good vibe there. Um, and, um, yeah, some great sessions, you know, uh, those of you that uh, headed along to uh, Las Vegas, uh, similar sort of thing, you know, some really good, well-attended sessions there. Uh, a lot of vendors, uh, vendor presence there. Um, and, of course, uh, the hands-on labs, which uh, I, was, I was fortunate enough to be part of this year. Um, so I think I mentioned in an earlier V-chat, so uh, VMware reached out to three partners this year. So they reached out to Cisco, EMC, and NetApp to be part of that. Uh, so I was um, part of the uh, the team that uh, uh, helped bring that together from, from EMC's perspective. So uh, very, very well attended indeed, and uh, great to work with the uh, the. Um, uh, the VMware hands-on lab team and also the other vendors as well. So uh, it's a really good atmosphere there, really well attended. It was great to see a lot of people uh, that I know through the, through the blogging, you know, readers of, of the blog, uh, people I know through the VBs as well, um, and people I hadn't met before, which was nice, you know. Um, so it was it was great. Um, like I say, good atmosphere, good vibe, and, um, yeah, definitely, definitely well worth uh, being there. You didn't get roughed up by the Dutch Free Mafia at all, did you? <laughs> no, I saw the video. I, I, I did see the um, the VM monster. He actually came into the hands-on okay. labs at one stage, and he was doing a lab there. Everyone was taking photos and everything, which was pretty cool. Uh, but I did see the uh, the, yeah, the Dutch mafia uh, taking on the um, uh, VM monster uh, yeah, the video. later Thank later you. on in the show. But yeah. yeah, I saw the video there. Those of you that haven't seen that, jump on. Uh, I think I think it's up on YouTube. Uh, do a Google on. Uh, the uh, Dutch VM Mafia and um, uh, the VM Monster is quite funny. Yeah, yeah. Eric Sloof makes a makes a good uh, Don. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's the obvi obvious choice. Yeah. <laughs> well, there. I don't yeah, think there was, was any um, major announcements there at all. Was there over VMware VMworld Vegas? Anything new? Uh, they kept a couple couple 
No, nothing major. They kept a couple of little things back. Um, But on the whole, the major announcements were, uh, as you'd expect, at Vegas. Um, So a lot of it was really following up on some of the announcements there. Like I say, there were some, uh, you know, other announcements that came out out there. But uh, the big ones that, you you know, everyone listening to this or watching this would would have heard by now. Okay. Yeah, the two new ones that I remember from VMworld Europe, um, one was around uh, vCenter operations. Um, I guess they went into more details yep. and more packaging and pricing about the new vCenter operations. Um, and then also, of course, the iPad uh, client for vSphere that was announced there where it can do vMotion. Yeah, yeah, I got that actually here. Yeah, that's and- um, looking at it, and yeah, you know, just really vMotion. I-, I like how they implement it with, uh, you know, your swoosh across and that. To, to make the V-Motion yeah. happen, uh, the flick and drag. Um, but, yeah, the really, the V-Motion's it. There's support for ESX 3.5 now and support for vSphere 5. So it's really a kind of a small update, really not a, a major upgrade. Uh, of course, you have to update your vCMA if you try to put this new client on here. Um, I was hoping, and, you know, maybe the next release, that they finally get to the point where um, we'll have this natively and not have to have a vCMA anymore, which is kind of a pain to, to set up and maintain. Yeah, yeah, it was pretty good. I mean, it, I, I don't know about you guys. I felt it was more the products we, you know, obviously we've been covering or, or talking about the iPad, uh, vCensor application for a while now. And, yeah, I just felt it was more the application, I think, that we, we were all hoping for uh, upon release. So, you know, full credit to the team, VMware team behind that. So it's, uh, it definitely looks pretty slick. I haven't had time to install and play with it myself yet, but I've seen videos of it. And uh, when I get my... Uh, my own uh, home lab back out of storage again. <laughs> um, I'll be sure to install it and get it up and running. But, uh, yeah, so what's going on good. in the home labs here? And so Simon, yours in yours is in storage right now. So um, you'll be uh, yeah, yeah. Well. <laughs> Yeah, I look forward to getting it out of storage. Uh, so, you know, I've moved out to London a couple of months back now. So, uh, you know, we've just been trying to find a place. So we found a place now, which is great. Hopefully it's going to be a bit bigger than the uh, shoebox I had before in uh, central London to set up everything. Uh, got, uh, it's probably not going to be massive, but, you know, a little bit more space. Dedicated heating and cooling for that lab and everything and got uh, all the plugs and <laughs> get it all tricked out? No, it actually consists. It's going to consist. It's going to consist of being a summer house, actually, so it's a little uh, sort of square (laughs) wooden box of a room. Um, I don't know quite how that's going to work out, but, you know, at the moment I'm just grateful for anything. And uh, it's funny not having your your kit around you, you know, um, to to sort of mess around with stuff, you know, whenever you have some spare time, perhaps in the evenings or the weekend. Uh, you know, just to go and try something that you've read about or an idea yeah. that you've had. Um, yeah, so all I've had for these last past couple of months is literally my uh, my laptop. So um, okay. I survived quite well on that, but, I, you know, you, you can't be having all your uh, IT geek junk around you and stuff. So Yeah, yeah. it's nice having a real... couple of weeks' time, back to normal again. So I recently um, went out and got a microserver. Um, I know, Simon, you've been talking about it for a while. I was kind of hesitant on it just because the specs were kind of low and that, but I figured what the heck, it's it's really the most, one of the most affordable package options you can get, and that if you want a home lab, something good for your home lab. Um, you know, the, what always worried me was the CPU, which was, um, you know, pretty underpowered, like 1.2, 1.3 megahertz. Um, they got a new model out that's now, I think, increases that a bit. Basically, it's the same otherwise, so um, I haven't had a chance, you know, I've kind of put it together I, I max out the ram to 8 gig and that um but it you know it's definitely a, a cool little server that i think um you know simon you said it actually is pretty decent when you're running you know vms on it and that i wasn't sure how it would handle but it sounds like it, it's gonna be able to handle that pretty well 
Yeah, for your basic uh, little little lab environment that you want to spin up, let's you know probably I'd recommend probably four four to five VMs max on there. Um, okay. And also it depends, you know, the workloads or the type of VMs that you're running on there as well, obviously. But you know, probably four to five average VMs running on there with the eight gigs of memory, like mentioned, uh, it handles it fine. The usual story actually it tends to run out of um, the two bottlenecks on it. Um, Obviously, the, the memory, uh, 8 gigs is as far as yeah. you can take it. Even with the new N40 CPU-based model, it's still 8 gigs. Um, but, you know, as, as you'd expect, it's only got two slots. It's a very small form factor, so, you know, you wouldn't expect anything more. Really. Uh, and the other thing is is literally the um, the speed of the storage controller on there. You know, it's it's not RAID, which okay. doesn't matter because it's only yeah. a home lab, um, but just the speed as well. But interesting enough, I actually, um, you know, I actually run an SSD in mine as well as a couple of SATA disks. So there's four... Um, drive bays in there in total. You put them into a caddy, slide them in. So I use SSD on one, um, and yeah, it screams along nicely. You know, it, it does handle five VMs quite comfortably. Um, and also, what I use the SSD for as well, because I now run it with the uh, vSphere five. Actually, use it for the uh, the new caching facility as well. Oh, so cool. vSphere five, the host actually picks up. It's got an SSD. Oh, cool. He goes, oh, do you want to use some of that as as cache? So um, yeah, so you know, I can I, I can oversubscribe things a little bit, take past the eight gigs, and uh, yeah, yeah. really notice too much uh, of a performance tip. But it is what it is. It's you know, it's entry yeah. level here in the UK. You can still pick them up with a hundred pounds cash back, so they work out about a hundred quid each. Yeah, that was uh, a big driver. Cheap. And eight gigs of me. memory is pretty cheap. Yeah, because here in the US, I think I got yeah. it for about three. 30, 340 and that, um, which was, you know, when I looked up to bigger servers, it was a big price jump. So that was a good spot, you know, if you want a really affordable option, that was really good. I, I just bought regular uh, memory from it from Micro Center um, to max it out to the 8 gig for like 80 bucks and that. So total investment, you know, 450 or so around there. Yeah, yeah, they're, they're ideal. If, if, you know, anyone out there who wants uh, just a very basic uh, sort of setup to, you know, to, to uh, set their VCP or train for their VCP accreditation, it, it's ideal. It's ideal for that. Um, and at that price point, you can't go wrong, really. Yeah. And I got the, that new iOmega PX as well and that. And um, that's, I haven't really had a chance to, to really set that up as vSphere yet, but it's a very nice looking, more better performing than the iX um, unit. So I'm looking forward to playing with that more as well. Yeah, the PX is good as well. I mean, it's, it's the, 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 I like the PX. I've got a little PX4. Um, and, uh, you know, I run a couple of SSD, and they're just, admittedly, I think they're only 80, 60 gig ones, because that's all okay. I could afford at the time. Um, and I can't afford getting any, <laughs> anything bigger than that. Um, but, uh, you know, it's great, because you can make SATA, you can make SSD in there. And the reason it's actually, uh, it can handle SSD, whereas uh, a lot of people out there, including myself, with the old iAmiga iX4s, um, you, you try to install SSD on there, it basically just saturated the CPU uh, yeah. and the IX um, So, the, you know, the PX has obviously got the largest CPU in there. It's got more memory. Um, it, it's just set up to handle SSD so much better. And the fact that you can mix SSD and SATA, it, it's, yeah. nice. It's, uh, it's a nice little unit. So you can set up multiple tiers or LUNs on that then, or multiple volumes inside of it with the different types of storage? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, different storage volumes on there. So you could okay. have uh, SSD. You could, for example, you could have a pair of SSD on there, and then you could have a pair of SATA on there. Okay, okay. Um, and, yeah, you just present the mouse as, uh, you know, just different uh, storage, storage uh, volumes or, you know, uh, as it were. So, you know, you could have one as uh, ISCSI, you have one as NFS. Um, it's obviously got the two one gigabit ports at the back, so, yeah. you know, um, and doing a little bit of load balancing over that as well. But, uh, also, yeah, pretty, USB pretty slick three. little units. 
as well. It's got one USB 3.0. Yeah, apparently so, though. Yeah, apparently so. I, I don't have any USB device, uh, USB 3.0 devices or okay. anything tested at the moment. But, um, yeah, I know talking talking internally to the iMega guys, I think that, you know, they've got some really... Uh, They've got some great plans for the BX series of devices. Um, I know, you know, literally what you see there at the moment, um, you know, they're, they're, they're going to be building on that over time. Um, okay. And um, unfortunately, I'm not at liberty to say what any of those things are going to be, but I'm uh, quite impressed. You know, they've, they've, they've got some, uh, some, some, some grand plans for them, and uh, yeah, they're good. Good, good yeah, device, great. you know, whether it's for a branch office or home yeah. lab or, you know, for the SMB, it's, it's, it's good. So, uh, yeah. And then now with the big performance improvements. It makes it a lot, you know, better and more usable with vSphere. Yeah, 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 it does. I mean, it just works. I mean, you know, and if you've got something like the little microserver there, which is, you know, the storage controller on there isn't particularly great. So, you yeah. know, if you uh, if you need sort of better storage performance, your options are one or two things, basically. You put SSD in there, but at the end of the day, you, you know, you've got that entry-level controller on actually on the board, so there's not much you can do with it. You can get a half-height PCIe um controller uh, that you could put in there, but that's extra expense. Um, or, you know, you look for a shared device, NAS device, like the, uh, you know, the, the PX or the IX. Right, right. Um, it sort of gets around all of that, and you just run all your VMs off of there. Yeah. Also yeah, set up your TV programs, your films, all that type of stuff. So. Yeah, multi-purpose, <laughs> exactly. Yeah, use it for a lot of things. Yeah, so that's pretty good. Yeah, so what about you, David? Any, any new uh, additions to your labs or any rebuilds or anything like that? Um, the only thing I've done with my lab lately is um, I had an old shuttle server that originally I tried to install ESXi on, and the storage, the local storage, wasn't recognized. And so I actually I was running Hyper-V on it, and I would even run like vCenter as a virtual machine inside of that sometimes if I if I wanted vCenter off of my two, um, you know, ESXi hosts. But one day it dawned on me that I could run uh, that I could take a USB key, you know, and just stick that in the back of the shuttle and just run ESXi off of that. So now I've got that third ESXi server um, in my lab. So that's worked out pretty well. Recently, I've gotten a lot of questions from people via email and on my blog about, you know, I'm, I'm studying for the VCP5 or the VCAP DCA, and, like, what should I get for my home lab? And I've been recommending, you know, either one, like, go virtual and, like, use Workstation 8 or Fusion right. 4 with, you know, nested virtual machines, or, you know, look at the, the microserver and get like an IX4 or something like a couple microservers and an IX4, you know, I was thinking would probably make a good home lab. In fact, I'm going to look at getting a microserver myself. So, cool. Uh, but that's what I've been up to. So you've actually been studying for the VCP5 too as well, haven't you? Taking the test yeah, I'm going to take it next. Yeah, I'm going to take it next week. And, you know, it's amazing how, you know, to me, you can use vSphere every day and then go to study for the VCP5 and actually learn a lot. So I've okay. been, you know, amazed at all the, you know, sort of, sort of theoretical, you know, sort of obscure things that I've been studying that I just didn't have the need to use, <laughs> okay. you know, in vSphere 5. And, uh, you know, for all the, the training, you know, video I, I spent a lot of time making on vSphere 5, I sort of assumed that I had learned most of every, you know, everything in there, but... You know, actually, I've been learning a lot and studying for the VCP5, all these different, um, um, you know, driver types and um, security of the drivers. And they have VMware verified and supported and partner supported and different levels of security for drivers and, you know, things that I just hadn't looked at. So um, interesting stuff. 
I know you have like the traditional document to study like the maximum configurations and that. What, any other resources you've been using to really kind of help prepare for that? Um, basically, I've just been taking the blueprint and just, you know, going down each topic and like okay. Googling and researching. And, you know, there's been a lot of good posts recently, um, like uh, Damian Carlson, um, DMDK, I think is his blog. Right. He's got a post where he compares the vSphere or the VCP4 blueprint to the VCP5 blueprint, okay. and he goes down every section, and he talks oh, wow. about, you know, what has changed and what you need to study. Um, there's some other good posts. Um, actually, Simon Long, I've been referring a lot of people to his blog. He's got um, some free uh, practice tests, like quiz questions. Uh, he's got actually a nice practice test engine where you can go there, and he's got the, v, the vSphere 5 configuration maximum questions, and then he's just got VCP5 um, quiz questions. Um, and Eric Sloof, he did a nice post on um, the VCP5, and so there's a lot of good resources out there. Okay, cool. Yeah, I've got to, I'm going to start heading to do my VCP5, I think, come the new year. Um, been a little bit busy towards the end of this year, but uh, yeah, definitely first couple of months next year, I think I'll go and set it. Um, I picked up a copy of uh, Scott, Le- Scott Lowe's new book over in uh, VMworld Copenhagen that he was uh, kind enough to sign for me as well, which is pretty cool, but uh, I haven't, I haven't uh, read all the way through it yet, but uh, that's definitely a good resource as well. Um, I was very impressed with Scott's first first edition uh, vSphere book, and uh, this one definitely doesn't disappoint either. It's, some really good content in there. David, was TrainSignal doing a, a study thing or something, a prep for the, the VCP5 at all? Um, you know, so like Elias and I, we did the VCP5 uh, training video, you know, okay. that was released at, at Las Vegas at VMworld. And um, I, I think that's a good resource. Um, you know, a lot of people say, well, does that prepare you for the VCP5? And my answer is, I, you know, I think it prepares you for maybe half of the VCP5 okay. by giving you the more hands-on side of it. Okay. You know, like what is storage DRS and how do you use it, how do you configure it. You know, it shows you all the how-to type stuff. Okay. But we don't spend a lot of time on, you know, the theory. Um, um, we try to show more hands-on. So, you know, the VCP5 test, I think it has a lot of both. Um, you need to know what to click and where to configure, but then you also need to know, like, what are the, you know, whack, what's the maximum amount of RAM you can configure on a virtual machine or, you know, something like that. So, yeah, okay. I think it prepares you for a little bit of both. Um, and yeah, Scott Lowe's book is, is a great resource as well. Okay. Oh, cool. Yeah, I think when I when I start doing some of my uh, some of my studies, I start towards I'll, I'll be throwing up a few blog posts around it as well, just 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 to really list the you know useful links and resources that I've come across as well. I think and uh, hopefully that help others. You know. And speaking of books, yeah, so we've got uh, the deadline of uh, February 29th, the last day of February um, 2012. You know, to take the exam and upgrade. Oh, okay. From your VCP4. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So, so. go ahead, Eric. I'm sorry. Oh, yeah, speaking of books, and I think we got a lot of new ones. You mentioned Scott Lowe's book. Um, we got uh, uh, Mike Laverick's uh, new SRM5 book that I think sure. um, at VMworld there was the author draft book. Um, I think is uh, the full copy out now for Mike's? I think uh, so. I'm not 100%. Know. If not, it might be soon. Um, we have uh, I saw the pre-release Duncan. copy, yeah. Ah, Cool. Sign? Yeah, I got a, I got yeah, a sign, yeah. There's two signatures there, or is that a phrase and a signature? No, it says, uh, from one expert to another, keep up the good work, Mike Laverick. Ah, cool. Yeah, that was cool. Very nice. Um, 
Scott uh, or uh, Duncan and Frank have that, that new uh, HR um, HADRS book, and that which is uh, kind of a follow up to their original book. You know, a lot of things changed in vSphere five, so they changed the book accordingly. Um, great resource, highly recommend reading that. It really gives you the in depth knowledge of how it actually works behind the scenes, how to properly configure it, utilize it, and stuff like that. So that's another good resource um, for you know. That's a great more. value. I mean, you can get. You can get that on Amazon, the electronic version, for nine ninety nine. Yeah. It's amazing. Yeah. 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 It's very good yeah. value. Um, any other there's a lot of other... Uh, well, there's some other VMware press books coming out. Um, in fact, this flyer that was inside my my uh, storage book here, I don't know if you can oh, see okay. that, actually, um, shows three more VMware press oh, books yeah. that are yep, coming. Okay. Uh, one's by Cody Bunch, you know, automating vCenter or vSphere with VMware vCenter Orchestrator. Okay. And then there's another one I pre-ordered on Amazon uh, called Storage Design and Implementation with vSphere 5. So they've got some good press books okay. on the way cool. from the new VMware Press. And there's another one. Um, mm-hmm. Actually, Cisco Press is starting to put out some like virtualization and cloud books. I found that interesting. Um, I can tell you the, the name of it here in just a second. Um, Cisco Press has got a new book you can pre-order called uh, Cloud Computing Automating the Virtualized Data Center. So I'll post a link to that as well. That sounds interesting. It's yeah. interesting. So, so guys, out of, the, uh, out of printed format books and electronic formatted books, what's, what's your preference? With, uh, you know, with, the, with e-readers and Kindles, everything being mainstream now for what, you know, the last year or two, uh, have, you, have you switched across to buying in manuals and electronic form, or are you still sort of staunch? Old school, uh, yeah. Perhaps, uh, paper, I'm, I'm paper old school paper, and that you know, it's I, I actually like doing both, and that because it's nice to be able to take you know for reference with you on a, a mobile device when needed. But if you're just sitting around the house reading, you know, I kind of prefer the the paper or on an airplane or something like that. Um, the paper copy and that it's kind of easier to flip through things and go back and forth and that. Um, but you know, I like having the electronic format because if you want to look at something, reference something, or easily search for something, you can do it a lot easier with electronic format than you can with the paper copy. Yeah, I agree. yeah, I'm, I'm, still I'm, I'm with you on that. I think, yeah, I'm always a bit disappointed because I, I, I kind of think if you buy the paper version, I, I, I kind of think you should get the electronic version perhaps as well. Rather than or have to go out and buy the book again at the same discounted price. Discounted um, price, at least. Yeah, yeah, it should be reflected in the price. I know Scott had a, a, had a strange situation with uh, with Amazon, and uh, he was getting a lot of queries about it on Twitter. But so basically, his uh, Kindle version of his new vSphere 5 book was actually, over here in the UK, I think it was £10 more than the actual oh, really? paper version. And people wow. were going, hang on, what's, what's going on here? This kind of crazy. No sense. And apparently, it's just a weird, weird Amazon thing. Um, I don't know if it's being rectified now, but it's, uh, I know he was definitely uh, concerned about that and was going to take it up. Okay. But, uh, it's interesting. I've been running a poll as well for the last couple of weeks on the website as well, because um, I was kind of curious as to what you know what the consensus was out there. And I've got to say, it's a it's a real fifty fifty split. You know, uh, most people uh, you know they either like the paper format or they like okay. the electronic format. So it's uh, it's real straight down the middle at the moment. Okay. Oh, yeah. Pros and cons. Oh yeah. Yeah. So, uh, Eric, uh, tell us about the top blog voting. What, what's the latest news on that? 
Um, coming up soon. Um, doing things a little bit differently this time. Um, there's so many blogs these days and that, so I, I think I'm going to maybe expand a little more from the top 25 to maybe like the top 40 and that, um, just to give some of the other good blogs um, some more visibility in that. Um, you know, I think at last count on my, my VLaunch pad, there's probably 200 plus blogs websites devoted to kind of VMware stuff and that so seems to, to keep growing and not going down and that you know you got some blogs that um, people after time don't pay attention to anymore and they kind of you know fall off the map but there's still a lot of good stuff out there so um, so gonna probably open it up either this this week or next week for voting gonna do things a little bit differently where still have the standard top blog voting the overall top 40 but doing some category voting as well like the best new blog um, the best uh, blogger you lo- most like to meet the storage blog and things like that just um categories to kind of mix it up and add a little variety to it and that and um you know make it a little bit more fun so look for uh something coming soon on that i think that's a good idea i mean because there's so many blogs that are they try to stick to one topic you know like uh it's hard to compare you know one blog to the app you know apples to apples best vdi blog best cloud blog stores blog you know things like on that so because otherwise they're all lumped together and it's hard to really um know what's what and that so um so kind of want to do it you know kind of like the theme of the, the mtv music awards you know they have categories and they have the overall you know video of the year or blog of the year and stuff like that so yeah so coming soon look for a vchat awards episode uh, after we get that done and announce your results sponsored by train signal awesome so uh have either one of you guys got the new (laughs) iphone 4s no, nope. no, still in the fold. I, I think I am eligible now on two of my phones. I've gone three, three GS, four. For the fours, I've paid full price, and that um, not the upgrade price. But I think I'm eligible for the cheaper upgrade now, which really balances out because if you sell your old one, it really wipes out the whole cost of the upgrade. And that they, their value retains. I've always sold mine within minutes of putting it on Craigslist for you know from two hundred to two hundred fifty dollars, and that. So, um, but there just wasn't enough there with the 4S for me. Um, you know, it's basically the Siri stuff, a little bit faster processor, a little bit better video camera. What I actually did go out and buy was the Nano in watch form. Oh, cool. The Nano, Nano watch. watch. So this is uh, the special red <laughs> Nano and that, that, um, it's got all the new clock faces now and that. That you can only get the Red Nano at the, um, I think at the store. They only sell them there. You can't get them at Best Buy. That's that color and that. And then this uh, uh, special band is, is made by. Is that the charity by, one, Eric? What's that? Is that the charity one? There's there. Uh, there's Apple's Red Red Charity, isn't it? I think so. Yeah, that was. I know it's a special one for them. Some of, the, some of the money goes to the charity on the red ones or something. Okay. And then I got this lunatic band, which is really cool. It's a it's an aluminum frame that it's built, you know, to fit right on top of it and that. And um, you know, so it's uh it's a pretty cool overall design. It's real slick, it's real, you know, packaged well and that it makes a good watch, not too heavy in that. So um so that's what I got instead of the, the iPhone four S and that was Did the you Nano. buy the did you buy the band separately? Yeah. Is yeah. the band separate? They do have a lot From more the Apple bands. Store or somewhere else? Um, they have a lot at the Apple Store now, bands, and that, I didn't like the ones they had there. Um, I saw this Lunatic one online, which I really like, so I just bought it online. I think you can buy it from Apple online as well. And that, 
But um, but yeah, it's, I wish they did more with this Nano now. I'd like to see integration between the um, the Nano and the iPhone and that. Um, you know, it's it's you can do all the things. You can do music. You do podcasts, the Nike Fitness stuff. Uh, it's got an FM radio now um, and all that, and it's got all the cool clock faces now. There's like 16 clock faces that you can use for all different things. It makes it really cool. It doesn't stay on all the time, and that um, you basically hit the button. And um, the clock face will, will show up and that. Um, but, you know, there's all these different, you know, I don't know if you can see it there. Uh, it doesn't really come out that good. On, this, but all these different cool. clock faces you can scroll through now that are pretty cool and fun to have. And that. So it makes for a, a cool geek watch, essentially, and that. That's uh, more uh, a toy than something that's super functional and that, so. That's yeah, awesome. it's interesting you said like about that. the 4S that they're about... Uh, maybe the 4S not having enough to justify the upgrade. I, I must admit, I, I was of that way of thinking as well. I, I've got an iPhone 4 at the moment, and to be honest with you, it, it does everything I need it to do. It's, you know, I, a year on, I, I'm still impressed with it. Um, it's a great product. But I've got to say, it's the, uh, the Siri, um, functionality in the 4S that is a real, a real attraction. Um, I think it's great. I think it's going to pave the way, uh, for, you know, going forward. Um, I, I don't think sort of for smartphones coming out, but after, after the 4S, no doubt there's functionality, you know, the voice control and uh, or recognition software on there. You know, others are going to try and replicate it. And I think the way we use phones, uh, we'll look back in sort of five years or so, and I think we'll, we'll actually, you know, see the 4S, the Apple uh, iPhone 4S as being the turning point yeah. uh, as to how we do things with our smartphones. So I, I think it is quite, it is quite a significant uh, model, although it's not quite probably what the iPhone 5 is going to be. Um, I think the Siri functionality is yeah, cool. That's quite yeah, cool, I think, actually. I, I probably would, if I had the money, I probably would buy one just for that. And you can, you know, that's, it's not something that's really a feature that's unique to that iPhone 4. Apple just made it. There you go, David's showing it. Apple just made it um, exclusive to the 4S. Sorry. And... Um, you know, because I, we've seen these videos of people hacking their 4s and 3GSs and using the same functionality. It's really just software in them that you can use on any iPhone, but yeah. Apple kept it exclusive to the 4S, primarily probably just to drive sales of the 4S so and give it a better, people a better reason to upgrade to it. Um, the interesting things I've heard is that this will probably now find its way into things like uh, the Apple TV the and the iMac. So um, look forward to seeing more of that in other yeah. devices. So ask it about well, the or VMware. What, Eric? We're going to see a live demo there of uh, Siri, like uh, give it a VMark. Ask him a, a maximum configuration question on VMware. What is the maximum <laughs> configuration of a, of a LUN in vSphere 5 or something? <laughs> I think it's good. I don't know if it's that good. Search the web <laughs> for vSphere 5 maximum configuration. Searching for vSphere 5 maximum configuration. <laughs> <laughs> and survey. So they come back with it. Searched for VCHAR five max on configuration. Oh, but the first link is the VI three five maximum configurations. Close. Oh, close. That's not bad. Not bad. Maybe the iPhone five will find That's a better. better. Than I thought it would be. I gotta say. <laughs> yeah. But uh, so it's interesting. I, when I first. Oh, when I first got Sorry. it, I uh, talked to I talked to Siri all day long. And to the point, I thought people were, you know, going to stare at me in public. Like, why does he keep talking to Siri? <laughs> um, 
And it was pretty cool, and I tested all sorts of things, and it gives you all kinds of examples. Like, you can compose text messages, you can write emails with Siri. Um, Set alarms. Which, by the way, writing emails is, yeah, writing emails and text messages is kind of is kind of hard um, okay. and frustrating, to be honest. But more simple things like set your alarm to wake you up at 6 a.m., you know, that's easy. Check the weather, yeah, do a map. Um, okay. Those more simple things work pretty well. Cool, yeah. But, you yeah, know, it's, I'd like the iPhone. Because you went from the... I'd like the new 4S. You went from the 4 to the 4S, so it's... Um, but and the other thing I think what kind of what interests me is the camera. I, I think these days everybody uses their iPhones for the camera. They don't, even though I have dedicated cameras, I never carry it with me in that. And even if you look at some of the sites like Flickr, they're saying like like 60% of the content posted is from smartphones and that. So um, so definitely it's nice to have a higher resolution camera because that's one you, you tend to primarily use all the time. Yeah, I like the. Yeah, it's interesting. I mean, kind of. Uh, it's just Oh, sorry, David. I was just going to say, Cisco's, well, part of Cisco's supposed reason for canning the flip camera was uh, they, they stated apparently the, the majority of people use their smartphones now uh, for, for taking videos, so they didn't okay. feel that uh, you know the flip was, was justified anymore. don't quite agree with that, but because uh, the flip was a fantastic little video device. But, uh, yeah. Yeah, but uh, I can definitely see it. The, the, the video quality is very good on, on the iPhone, definitely. So uh, talking about the, the, the 4S there, did you guys see the story around the, the voice of the 4S? Um, so over here in the UK, I don't know whether you've got a different voice on the Siri. In the, in yeah, the we US got a female on like US. Female yeah, we've, we've got a male voice here in the UK, and uh, basically the story came out a few days back that, um, that the, the chap that uh, originally recorded the voice for that, uh, a guy called John Briggs, He's a uh, ex uh, technology uh, journalist over here in the UK. Uh, he worked for a company sort of uh, about five to six years ago, um, and basically recorded all all, all the uh, all, all the words and everything that you hear coming out of a UK-based uh, uh, iPhone 4S around you know with the Siri. Uh, it was interesting. Apparently, Apple tried to close them down so that you uh, you know. Uh, come out and sort of mention that it's him and it's his voice but uh, you know since he didn't have a contract with Apple there was nothing stopping him so uh, okay. yeah, interesting little story around that yeah yeah I saw that too that was pretty cool that he had no idea when he was doing this years ago that it would come Here's to this or Apple Watch today through this Wednesday sorry I changed the voice of Siri to the English the, the UK person oh, okay. you're talking about that's interesting I didn't know you could do that yeah I didn't either uh, that's got different language choices here that's yeah, cool. Yeah, I've got uh, English, Australian, English, United Kingdom, English, United States, French, and German. So now, I'll have to try these other languages and see. I'd really like to see other voices, like if a celebrity voice is like if I wanted Snoop Dogg doing it or uh, like the, the voice from <laughs> Kit, Knight Rider, or something like that. That'd be cool to have a wide selection of voices so you can do all these different crazy voices and that. Yeah, that'd be funny. I think it's a matter of time, isn't it? Probably. It's, I mean, you get that I'm on sure. your Tom Tom Navigator. Um, yep. You know, you can get you can download different ones. You can get Mr. T, John Cleese, yeah. uh, all sorts. Yeah, um, that'd be fun. <laughs> really make a lot Steve more fun. It's a matter of time. Yeah. <laughs> yep. So yeah, I, I'll, I'll probably eventually do it. And that it's uh, I just hasn't really been a, a big nothing jumped out at me as a huge wow factor. So I just kind of waiting. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, I'll what wait was to Vision the, Five? Yeah. 
what, what helped me was um, AT&T said they'd give me $250 uh, for trading in my old iPhone 4. So it was a trade-in program oh, really? that essentially nullified the upgrade cost and made the upgrade really the same price that I was paying for my other phone that was an was old it, 3GS. So was it 250 based on the the condition it was in, or as long as it was a good working you know iPhone, uh, okay, iPhone 4, yeah, it was it was 250. Um, and actually though, I ended up I I just used one of those other uh, trade in programs on on Google that I found, and I ended up trading in my 3GS and my 4 uh, both to the same place. And they oh, okay. were like a little bit less than what AT&T was going to give, but they would do them both in the same package, and it was super easy. So that really helped me to you know nullify the the upgrade cost or help to justify it, um, making the move. So yeah, yeah, definitely make it easier, not have to go to Craigslist to try to sell it or whatever. And yeah, so huh, cool. Yeah. So, so here's a question. Here's a question for you guys, and uh, tangent, tangent back to, a little bit back to VMware. But um, I mean, it's been a few months now, obviously, since vSphere 5's come out. Um, the, what are you hearing uh, around sort of adoption of vSphere 5, or people migrating across either from you know 3.5 or you know version 4 up to 5? Most most people made made the jump so far, or a lot of people holding off or holding off for the first service pack, for example. I think a lot of people are holding out still because of the licensing um, and some other factors. You know, with uh, the architecture change, it's on the ESXi now and that. Um, there was a uh, event here in Denver, and uh, they asked that question. There was 100-plus people there who has upgraded or is planning to upgrade to vSphere 5, um, you know, in the coming months. And I think only, like, out of all those people, like, three or four hands went up in that. So... Um, I think personally, a lot of people are going to wait, and um, you know, the licensing is a lot more complicated now. You have to reevaluate your environment to see if you're going to have to buy additional licenses and that. And um, um, you know, feature-wise, there are some good features there, but you know, vSphere 4 is is solid. It a lot of great features. It works great. Um, you know, I don't think it's a huge compelling upgrade for a lot of people on that, especially with all the differences and between the licensing and the architecture now that they're going to have to deal with. Yeah, I agree. Um, yeah, so many of the new features were yeah. Enterprise Plus only. You know, they were more Enterprise yeah. features. They're moving more and more stuff to that tier and that. So it's uh, definitely, and I think I'd heard a stat from VMware that out of the licenses they sell, I think 60% are Enterprise Plus and that. So um, they, they pretty much, you know, in the beginning, Enterprise Plus wasn't all that compelling when you have host profiles and distributed virtual switches, but now they're throwing everything in there and that that really becomes much more of a almost necessary upgrade for a lot of enterprises now that to get those extra all those extra features now um, and the scalability as well that you um, really need to move to that level. Yeah, I think a lot of people would be sort of planning, you know, probably putting a lot of thought and a lot more planning into the upgrade okay. rather than just sort of upgrading them overnight, as it were, I, I suspect. Uh, some great new features in there. I mean, it, for me, it was definitely a big, uh, it was the storage release, you know, the storage update, uh, in, you know, because of all the new uh, storage features and functionality uh, and enhancements that came out with 5. And uh, I think there's definitely compelling reasons to go to 5, definitely. I just think, uh, you know, uh, the people that haven't done it so far, maybe they're just planning you know, planning for their new year, um, so, so maybe perform their upgrades then. So, 
Yeah, and again, with the licensing changes, VMware gives no advance notice of this and that, and people have budgets and that. So you spring this on people, they don't have budgeted, they may not have budget next year for it either and that. So um, in a lot of cases, you know, companies have to come up with the extra money they're going to need uh, to go to this new licensing tier, and uh, that takes time for them to budget and uh, get the funds for it. Yeah, so I guess, you know, come April next year or after April, that's when all the uh, the new budgets will be coming out, the purse strings are open, and uh, see a lot of upgrade projects kicking off, yeah. Yeah, but yeah, I, I definitely think you know, it'll be a slow migration and that, you know, you'll see companies maybe do it as part of a refresh or that, you know, there's no real huge jump to it right away, but if a company's planning a refresh, maybe they're refreshing their hardware, um, they'll do maybe a vSphere 5 refresh as well at the same time and that, you know, because, um, you know, especially if people are using the ESX Classic now, the Classic architecture, um, where that's gone away, you have to get all the experience, how to make sure, how you know how to manage and deploy ESXi in that, and, um, so, you know, there's definitely a little bit of learning curve there if you're not used to using ESXi and now you're forced to use it in vSphere 5. Um, you know, that brings up another interesting, uh, you see on Jason Bakke's, uh, blog that yesterday, I think, um, his questioning on that was, and I see this all the time, is, does it really matter? You see people say ESX and they mean ESX and ESXi and that, um, especially in documentation a lot and that, where there are two different architectures in that. So his questioning was along the lines of, does it matter to you when you hear ESX? Do you think ESXi? Um, do you think we should have only one? I mean, what will happen when, like, vSphere 6 or whatever? Well, will ESXi become ESX, stay ESXi? Um, you know, VMware's documentation's always been pretty badly, you know, really behind the times as far as upgrading it. They still say ESX in a lot of cases, even in the vSphere 5 documentation where there is no more ESX. So I think it's just confusing in that for, for people because, you know, they are two different architectures and to kind of refer to them in the same term doesn't really, you know, fit and make it, um, really make the distinction between the two. I think it depends on the context of the conversations. I think if you're, if you're talking technical documentation, you've got to be pretty precise with what you're yeah. talking about. Because, uh, I mean, they did try to get the, to change the name across, and they all tried to get everyone using for ESXi. They're trying to turn that sort of the, uh, the vSphere hypervisor, aren't they? Um, the free but, version. Uh, I haven't really seen too many people. Yeah, yeah, for the free version. But I, even with the free version, I haven't seen too many people adopt that at all, and they're still referring to it as ESXi. But, uh, because what's funny when you... Conversation, when you install the free version, it yeah, says ESXi on it. It doesn't say vSphere hypervisor. It's still the same thing. So, you know, their marketing wrapper around it really yeah. doesn't really, it's not consistent with everything else. Yeah, I think there's a time and a place. It all comes down to context. You know, if it's just casual conversation, I think you can use yeah. ESX, ESXi interchangeably, as long as you know the other person knows what you're talking about. But if you're talking to customers or, um, you know, if you're talking technical documentation, even blog posts, I think you've got to be a little bit, perhaps a little bit more succinct with what you're talking yep. about, so as to avoid confusion. Yeah, definitely. That's it. Yeah, I corrected a backup vendor recently. They said they supported Hyper-V and ESX. And I said, well, do you support ESXi? Do you support, you know, vSphere 5? And they're like, oh, yeah, yeah. I said, well, well then you need to update your definitely. documentation. Yeah. <laughs> that's important because right. I'm looking for a product, and I have ESXi. I don't see that explicitly mentioned. I'm thinking, okay, well, move on. Yeah, that's right. That's right, yeah. You know, this new VRAM uh, pool pricing, um, you know, being as I don't have an enterprise, um, you know, and I don't have to think about that very much, I... Maybe it didn't hit hit me as hard, 
um, as some of these big customers who suddenly now have to, you know, look at every virtual machine and how much RAM is configured. But recently I've been working on a cloud computing project and, um, which by the way has been a horrendous, you know, mess trying to compare one cloud vendor to another when it comes to pricing. But one of the cloud vendors I'm using, their pricing model is based on the number of vCPUs, the, the amount of RAM, the number of concurrently running virtual machines, and the amount of storage. Oh, and the amount of hours that those virtual machines are powered on. So you, you have this formula. Anyway, I've been, um, it's hit me hard that, you know, I'm ha- I have to pay when a virtual machine is powered on. You know, this utility model sounds great, but, for example, I was installing Windows Server, um, so my first, you know, gut feeling is to start the install and walk away and get a cup of coffee. Of course, I forget about it. I walk back to the computer a few hours later, and I can see my hour meter at the bottom of the screen. <laughs> and because I'm using um, two CPUs and two gigs of RAM on the server, that actually doubles the number of hours that I'm using. So I've used double the amount of hours, and my monthly quota is, is slowly shrinking away like a cell phone plan. And uh, here I've just barely installed Windows Server, and I'm wow. like, holy crap, you know, this is a real pain to constantly keep an eye on the number of hours you're using. So, so you it's gotta, been a real eye-opener. Completely micromanage every single aspect of that, down from your storage resource uses, the CPU, memory, power, everything. Right. Then, huh? Yeah, right. I mean, they have all these I, I, these templates, these virtual machines that are in template form, you know. But they just did like a flat 20 gigs of thickly provisioned storage. Okay. Well, if I clone those 100 times over, I'm using a lot more storage than I otherwise, you know, really needed. Maybe I only needed five gigs or 10 gigs to install Windows Server, um, or even say a virtual ESXi host. Okay. You know, maybe I only need one gig of storage, or you know, whatever it might be. If I take their flat um, Linux image that's 10 gigs and I install ESXi on it, you know, I'm just wasting all this space and I have to pay for all that space. So it's been a real eye-opener. And, you know, in in the past, I always said, oh, yeah, utility computing sounds great. You just pay by the minute. But on the other hand, when you have to pay by the minute, <laughs> suddenly you find out what a real pain, you know, it can be. So. Yeah, huh. To, to me, the, the, the one thing that stands out there, it sounds like really they should cut you some slack. If you're implementing or installing a new VM, maybe a discounted rate, or maybe it's free until you actually, you're finished installing I don't know how they monitor or manage that, I don't know, but, uh, but, but it does sound, I mean, it is true utility when you think it through. It is utility, because sort of, for example, you, you go to the supermarket, you've got an empty house with no lights in it, you choose, I guess, what wattage light bulb you're going to put in, whether it's a 50 watt or a 100 watt or an, an, an energy saver, I guess, and, I suppose they they come back would be well you know you plug your light bulb and you screw it and you know what the wattage is going to be the fact that you sort of turn the light bulb and switch off in your bedroom and walk away watch TV for the evening and you forgot that you've left your light light on in your uh, in your bedroom is yeah I suppose they they're, they're just going to compare it back to true utility type uh, type pricing I guess but the problem with this though, the, the interesting thing that got me thinking there David is you've got a lot of factors obviously in there you know you you combining you know uh, CPU, memory, storage, all those things as well. And, yeah, I can see how that could be quite uh, quite, quite hard well, to try and uh, manage all that. It really makes you stop and think about resource uses and all this stuff now, where before in a regular data center you don't do things without even thinking twice about it. Now you have to really right. sit down and think, do I really need all these resources? Do I need this and that? And, um, you know, because you're being billed for every little thing on that. Yeah, especially if it's a lab environment. I mean... With Workstation, I'm used to just, you know, cloning virtual machines and yeah. 
you know, the only thing that's eating up really is my laptop or desktop, you know, resources. But okay. he, yeah, here you really have to think about it. Yeah. Yeah, hopefully I keep everyone a lot more honest. Um, but, but what would be interesting, what would it be like mobile phones? So if you think back, you know, five years ago, ten years ago, mobile phone, uh, you know, costs or cost of calls, or even a couple of years back with data tariffs on phones, right? So you guys would have been like me, you would have had one of the first smartphones came out because it was, it was the geeky thing to do, right? Yep. And then you think about how much it costs per megabyte of traffic back there, and you, you know, you compare it to now, I mean, you know, over here for 10, well, I, I think my plan on my iPhone, I bought my iPhone outright, so, uh, uh, but, um, my, my tariff is about 12 pounds a month, and I get something like 750 minutes. Uh, okay. of, of calls to any network at any time, 750 texts, and unlimited internet for £12 a month. It's absolutely crazy. But that, you know, you compare that to like five years ago, God, probably be a couple hundred pounds, you know. So I wonder whether over time where I was going with that was uh, with this utility computing. It's definitely, everyone's still testing the water on it. And fast forward five years or, or what have you, you know, maybe it just becomes so, so cheap that, you know, it just be, you know, pence and cents to, uh, to run it. Yeah, I think a lot of those cloud, you mentioned, David, there's a lot of different models. I think there's really, a lot of people are experimenting, a lot of these cloud companies are experimenting on their models and that, trying to figure out what's right, what, you know, how, how to do it and get it priced right and all that. And there's a lot of competition between cloud vendors and that, so maybe that will help drive at least more of a common type pricing and that to make it, you know, easier to compare between one and the other. Yeah, I saw a new website this week called cloudcompare.com, and okay. what it does is it compares the pricing from all the different um, VMware uh, vCloud data center providers. So I think that's really cool because, um, you know, it could almost become at one point, you know, a, a marketplace. Um, and if you have that portability, you know, there's no Hotel California, and you say, well, you know, you're charging me too much, I'll, yeah. I'll just move my server okay. somewhere else. Check it out. Um, then, yeah, Check maybe down. like Simon said, you know, the prices will go down over time. Um, the bad thing is these different uh, cloud companies that don't have, you know, a, an apples-to-apples pricing model, or maybe all the vCloud data center yeah. providers do. There's other, you know, providers that don't. Um, in fact, you know, one provider, they even wanted me to sign an NDA before they would tell me uh, their pricing model oh, and what? how much they were going to charge me. Okay. And I ended up telling them, just forget it. You know, if you want me to sign an NDA just to know how much it costs, then yeah, I'm not that's interested. Not happen. Oh. Yeah. So, anyway, cool, cool. stuff. Uh, it's, it'll be interesting to see what yeah, the future cool. holds. So, uh, what else, guys? Oh, I think we're about out of time. Um, a lot of good topics in that, and um, yeah, try to try to do this a bit more regularly. And that, you know, maybe uh, another. Do a holiday edition coming up soon, right after Thanksgiving. Yeah, yeah we'll have to break out our Santa hats yeah, again. So. That'll be fun. Yeah. And we'll have an upcoming. Um, <laughs> see, uh, top. We'll, we'll have a top blog VChat coming yep. up soon too. So stay tuned for that. So uh, thanks, Eric. Thanks, Simon. Thanks, all our viewers for joining us. Thanks very much. And of course, I can't let Eric get away with only him the only vendor hat here, so yeah. there we go. Cool. <laughs> they would need your train signal hat. Well, I, I got a V-Nerd shirt here. I'm ah, okay. That. Well, that works. Yeah, there we go. And there I got go. my uh, Stolt IT here, Tech Field Day shirt. Cool. Cool. Uh, I found right. one the other day, yeah. Cool. All right, guys. Thanks, Thanks Eric. Guys. Talk to you soon. All right, Great chance bye. to you. Bye. Thank you for watching this episode of VChat, the latest in virtualization and cloud computing news and how-to. 
Eric, Simon, and David want your feedback, so send questions or ideas for future VChat topics to vchat at trainsignal.com. Oh,